You are listening to The Quest for 100, a discussion on everything you never knew you wanted to know. And now your hosts, Justin and Brian. Welcome back, Questers. We're at episode 40. Oh, yeah. 40 of The Quest for 100. Some say that's 40% to 100. Yeah, some say. Great, great math there, Justin. Yep. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Brian, joined as always by my partner in crime, Justin. How's it going, Justin? You know, Brian, it's going great. I am, uh, as as we do every once in a while, uh, I have a beer in my hand, compliments of you. Uh, you have hooked us up. You've, you've provided this lovely abode again, and we're drinking beer. So this is, I can't get any better than that. We're talking about a cool topic. With beer in our hand, I'm just I'm happy. I'm I'm happy. It's not a special topic. Not yet. <laughs> okay. You well, never know when it turns special. This right? would this would be about when you would say it's special. So yeah. well, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, th- we are talking about camping this this week mm-hmm. because since last time you went camping, Justin. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Oh, I guess I would jump it into this since last time. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's not our 40th, 40th episode yet. Yeah, so I uh, I went camping last weekend. Uh, as I, I talked about in the last podcast, we went uh, over to the Western Washington. Well, we made a big trip this time, and we went to Banff, which is in Alberta, Canada. Uh, if you are anything like me, uh, six months ago, I had never heard of this place. I also thought people were just screwing up whatever pronunciation or spelling that they were trying to make about this place. It is spelled B-A-N-F-F, which sounds weird. But, uh, yeah, it is uh, amazing. Uh, We went for from, let's see, Thursday night we left. We stayed a couple campsites along the way. We got to Banff for about two days in in the National Park. We saw Lake Louise, Moraine Lake. We went on the Bow Valley Parkway. Just, I mean, words can't describe it, but I'm going to do my best. It's just beautiful mountains, beautiful lakes right next to each other. It honestly, I've, I've been in awe before of nature, and this is just one of those moments, maybe top three, if not top one in my life, where I'm just really? looking at it and yeah. saying, holy crap. This is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Uh, we holy went crap, on, eh? <laughs> holy crap, eh? Um, yeah, for sure. I, I I just, it was spectacular. My wife and I um, really enjoyed our time there. Uh, we did, we used the car uh, camping, yeah. um, which, you know, over time, you know, I probably couldn't do many more days than what we did, but we made it work. Uh, saved some money that way by doing that, and we'll yeah. get into more yeah. details okay. in the debates. Okay. Um, one of the cool things that, uh, and there's so much, I, we won't go into all the details of it, but one of the cool things while I was there, uh, one of the hikes, we did a basically a nine-hour hike. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was Justin. slightly unintentional, but uh, it it was long, but, it, but fun. But the second part of the hike ended up at this, it was like the Seven Basins area, and as we're walking, uh, we actually saw an avalanche happen, which hmm. was really cool. Okay. I've never seen that in my life. Yeah. 
I have been lucky lucky enough, I guess, to see uh, a handful of other natural natural disasters, uh, including a volcano eruption, hurricanes, um, and now an avalanche uh, kind of falls into that category. So I, I was just like, whoa, and obviously no one got hurt. Otherwise, it would be a totally different story. But it was just really surreal, and uh, I didn't even react quick enough to get my phone out to capture it on were video, you but. at any point in danger no i would say no it was kind of in the distance but we were in this really open area where it's really just the trail and in the you just see huge like incredibly massive mountains um and that's really all you see oh, and okay. so okay. in the distance i we we heard a rumble and i Alyssa, my wife was was walking and I like looked up and I was like, look. And sure enough, uh, it was just a big pile of snow. Uh, Yeah. It was just massive. The the avalanche. So pretty cool. That was, that was my exciting moment. There was plenty of them, but that was my one I wanted to share. I'm I'm sure we'll get into your trip more later in the podcast since we're just talking straight about camping. Yeah. But, uh, I went golfing for the first time in over a month. Oh, you golf, Brian. I didn't know. (laughs) No. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So that was, that was uh i can't say enjoyable for the first little bit oh, it was it was pretty miserable frustrating yeah it was it was pretty frustrating the first seven holes i was 11 over which is horrible for me mm. and I then i wish i could be the, frustrated with that the, the last 11 i was one over oh wow holy yeah. moly <laughs> yeah so i kind of turned it around Jeez. but uh yeah, this is this is why like I I've played you know I've played so many rounds this this year and I am nowhere close to where you are <laughs> and this is why Brian and I don't golf very much together. Yeah. yeah. Um. So with uh, our since last time being done, let's uh, get into some camping news. You're a newsman. I ever tell you otherwise, I'm in the face. Justin, so I. I I was having a hard time finding some camping news. Mm. Yes. It, there, there's not a whole lot. So I did find a story that came out about last week about a new invention, or not necessarily oh. a new invention, but it's a tent that floats. Mm-hmm. So it comes from a company called Smithfly, and, and a couple of their quotes are, 70% of the earth is covered with water. Now you can camp on it. Okay. Yeah. That that they are accurate. And then their other quote is the world is your waterbed. Okay. That that's interesting marketing. Yeah. So this tent has no tent poles. The tent structure is totally inflatable. It's got three <laughs> air chambers, two in the lower tube and one in the upper structure area to kind of form the actual tent. Mhm. So the floor is six inches thick, and there's a tent topper on the sides, and that can actually detach. So you could just have just like kind of an inflatable raft almost with some, you know, structure pole, yeah, uh, inflated poles on the sides um, if you really wanted to. But uh, it's got an eight by eight footprint. It allows a six three person to lay down comfortably inside. Anyone taller than that will have to lay diagonally. Okay. All right. So uh, I would just barely fit in there. Yeah. Uh, this is the crazy part. I It says it weighs 130 pounds. Huh. When, well, I guess does it change when you add the air no. into it? 
Yeah. It's all the it's all the rubber matting. Yeah. And, huh. Yeah. Which seems a lot. Yeah. I mean, I guess it, how much does it matter, though, right? If you're going hiking to the camping spot, then yes, that matters because you got to carry that. Yeah. Uh, if you even if you have to carry it out of your car, to yeah, get it that's inflated, true. That's that's fair that's point. A, that's a good amount of of weight. Um, sometimes though, with things like that, like if you were like our kayak, for instance, it's kind of heavy. It's an inflatable kayak, and yeah. it's kind of heavy. But when you inflate it. And you distribute it. It weighs a little bit lighter. It feels a little bit lighter, even though it might actually be still kind of heavy. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I still think 130 pounds is is a lot. Yeah. If you wanted to purchase one of these, they are two grand. Holy moly! I'll yeah. stay away from that. Yeah. And so this got picked up by a number of different sources last week, and so the internet had a lot of fun with oh, you know yeah. what could possibly go wrong. Sure. Yeah. While you are you know sleeping mm-hmm. on the lake i don't know if you what you remember the movie parent trap yeah i do where she uh the the daughter takes oh the, yes the stepmom's inflated mattress and uh-huh. puts her out in the middle of the yeah. water and that's basically they they kind of coined like oh 20 years after that movie they, came out they actually they made actually an came, for it yeah is it weird that my first reaction goes towards not a lake but actually in a river <laughs> and then like I, I, I love i love floating yeah i enjoy camping so how cool would it be to go in a river and just be like yeah, all right what could possibly go wrong everything could but that's part of the adventure of it i i i i would never be able to go with my wife that's for sure she would never let me do that but there's a part of me that would enjoy that knowing okay like where you go floating for instance maybe you start up top and then you just float down and then what happens you just make sure you bring your your keys and and whatever make sure there's no waterfalls and then i think whenever you, you wake up i, I think you, you just have grab to, an uber no i think you have to anchor i think to, to fall asleep you would have to anchor somewhere maybe. i don't think you can just because like if you hit rocks or anything puncture i yes I don't disagree, Brian. I'm just trying to spice up somebody's life because you know that it may not be me because I'm not paying $2,000 for it, but somebody's going to do it. Yeah. And they're going to jump in a river and see what happens. Yeah. You know, good for them. So I'm with you on the the tough to find news. Oh, I I do like that article. That's an interesting take. Um, So mine was on a different stretch. So a mythical half man half owl that scares off holiday makers in cornwall england has been filmed in a graveyard it's what does this have to do with camping wait i'm getting to it brian okay so the owl man of Manal smith has been the subject of folklore since the 1920s but there haven't been any sightings since 1976 when Get this, two 14-year-old girls decided to go camping in the area but spotted the giant owl of human size with glowing eyes. Now, more than 40 days later, or 40 years later, ghost hunter Mark Davies claims that he's caught the infamous character on camera. I watched this camera, or this footage, and it's a little creepy. I don't know, we we could have a whole other thing on ghosts and, and monsters and do a podcast on that. Um, that's a whole other thing, but... It, it was a little creepy, 
and it made me what what made me really connect this obviously the camping is when they first saw this this creature but we i don't even know if we have this in our debates but camping half the time is about social storytelling and ghost stories and things like this if i was camping here this would freak me out if if you told me that there's this owl man whatever that shows up and you know apparently according to this there he, Mark, who who Mark Davies, who was the guy that was in charge of this, said, "They're telling me that there's a demonic energy, and it wasn't safe." And he said his mate got attacked. He had scratches on his arm, and his camera broke as well. So again, this all seems a little too weird to be true, but um, I, I mean, I saw I saw the evidence, so you know, I, I guess I should believe it. Is that is that how it works, Brian? I don't know how that had to do anything with camping. It does have to do with camping because if you go out camping, one, you have stories like this. And would you go to a location did, when did, you go did camping? Did you and your wife tell, tell stories like this? When no, because you, you don't do stories when it's just two people. But if you have a group of people, you do you do stories. That's a that's a thing you do, right? No. Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah, so you need to go like as camping. As an adult? Well, maybe not just as an adult, but when you were kids. Uh, or, or the Boy Scouts go camping, or I don't know. All, ghost stories are a classic part about camping. And yeah, it's a little, it's a little stretch. Fine, there. It, it is a stretch, but that's where we are with camping news. <laughs> so, <laughs> at least it's interesting. Oh, so, okay. you know, why not? All right. Well, uh, let's drop some knowledge. As we normally do, I am the history guy, and Justin is the stats guy. So, camping history is kind of a little weird because, obviously, you had for years and years and eons and eons, you had people who were living living outdoors <laughs> in tents. They didn't and, call it camping. Yeah, but. they didn't call it camping, but, you know, really, when people were migrating or marching in, in military, you know, they, they were camping. But we really talk about the modern day camping. The the first signs of people doing this like marching and migrating was you know al- almost forty thousand years ago. So mm-hmm. um, we really don't get into the modern day camping until the the nineteenth century. And we had two different guys who are kind of coined as being the founders of of camping. So we had William H H Murray. He was considered the father of the outdoor movement. So he was a clergy who delivered Sunday lectures about the Adirondacks. And they became very popular. So he uh, started to publish a series of articles and um, turned that into a book in 1869. We also saw William, or excuse me, uh, I already talked about William, Thomas Hiram Holding, and he is thought to be the founder of actual modern-day recreational camping. And I'll, I'll kind of get into you know his um, stuff a little bit later. But just to be in kind of chronological order, Henry Hopkins Sibley invented the modern-day tent in 1855. Um, and he was a c- Confederate Army officer. And he was looking for something to use for his, his soldiers during the war. And he created a bell tent, which was based off of the Native American teepee. Uh, in, in the 1870s, that's really when Americans started to camp in the wilderness for recreation. 
and they would either travel by foot or horseback or canoe or floating tent maybe or floating tent uh, and then the first actual campsite that was on record was in England and it was uh, the Cunningham camp in Housestrack on the Isle of Man and it was actually a campground only for men and this was in 1894 well it's on the Isle of Man right yeah so maybe that's why maybe <laughs> I don't know what the Isle of Man is but sounds on point it's a an isle in England. Oh, okay. Yeah, or the UK. Uh, 1901, uh, we come back to the, the holding story, um, and he founded the first camping club in the world, and it was the Association of Cycle Campers. Okay. So people who would bike places and, and camp. And he also published a book in 1906 that was the, uh, the Camper's Handbook. And so this is really the start of you know the mass camping phenomenon Mm -hmm. and so that's why he's kind of thought to be the the founder of modern day recreational camping cool 1908 we saw the boy scouts invented in england and this is something i didn't realize that the boy scouts were invented in england and then two years later the boy scouts of america came along i didn't even realize that the English invented it first. Yeah. And then two years after that, the Girl Scouts of America founded and they were big proponents for getting kids outdoors and going camping. And like you said earlier, telling those ghost stories and, mm-hmm. you know, it's a thing. Yeah. Going, uh, um, out in the, the outdoors and, and it, making the, the youth of America and England for that matter, experience, you know, the, greater outdoors Mm -hmm. 1910 we started to see recreation uh recreational vehicles pop up so rvs okay and interesting fact in 1927 the first official recipe for s'mores (gasps) was in the girl scout magazine interesting yeah Uh, i'm trying okay let me me sidebar here for a second do you remember if I know s'mores is a Girl Scout cookie type? Was that one of the original types? No. Okay. It was not. Because um, that would be really interesting. I love the, the tie in there. I don't think yeah. many people know that. That the first. Oh, man, that's really cool. I didn't even think about that in this whole history of things that the s'mores probably came from a camping background. Yeah. Uh, and then we moved to 1929 and Airstream, the kind of iconic. RV, uh, silver sausage shaped, uh, is what they call it. A silver sausage shaped RV started to be oh, built. Yeah. Like, uh, it just reminds me for whatever reason of a like bomb shelter kind of thing. Just like no character to it. I'm looking at it right now. That's why it's just silver, right? Yeah. 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 It, they're pretty iconic. By the way, you can buy one, uh, online for $22,000 if you're interested. Really? I don't, I don't think know, they on eBay. Really, oh, on eBay. <laughs> yeah. oh, I was going to say, I, I didn't think they were going to be that expensive. Yeah, 2004, but, Airstream. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Ahead. And then the 1930s, the National Park Service started to develop 34 recreational demonstration areas, is what they called them. And these were basically campgrounds. Okay. For people to go yeah. and actually set up 
pitch their tents or mm-hmm. take their RVs or whatever in in the National Park Service. In the 1940s, when we saw the end of World War II and people started to have more money and disposable income, that's where we started to see even more people buy tents and head outdoors. Mm-hmm. And and so really the boom from camping and, and recreational uh, outdoorsing started to really flourish in, in the 1940s. A couple interesting facts that I found that you can actually calculate the temperature based off of the crickets that you hear. <gasps> Whoa. So okay. the way you do it is apparently you can listen to the chirping of of a cricket, a single cricket. Okay. And the number of chirps that you hear in 14 seconds and then add 40 to that number is the temperature in Fahrenheit. Of of a single chirp, is that what a, you're saying? A single cricket. So you need okay. to listen. You, you got to like, isolate that cricket. It's tough. Oh, I mean, yes, yeah, sometimes, but but if maybe you, there's one. If you know yeah. that, oh, there's one over, you know, back to my back right. That is a fun fact, Brian. I want to apply it in my life somehow. Maybe it's just having a pet cricket, and then that cricket can tell me the temperature maybe uh, i that's pretty cool yeah i like it uh and then the last thing i had was the uh most expensive camping spot in the world is actually on vancouver island and it's the clayote wilderness resort okay a single night for one of these spots can cost up to three thousand nine hundred dollars what? What? Why? What do you get? What? Are, what are the amenities? Does it say? Oh, I didn't even look that up. Yeah. I, I would assume it's just a camping spot. Well, so here's here's something that I was finding, uh, and this isn't in our debate, but a lot of the there's such a variety, and I can get into this too. We had a variety of experiences when we were camping this the past four four nights, four or five nights. We did, you know middle of middle of nowhere uh basically a parking lot uh for cars but in the woods we did where was that uh that was in um toward close to the border but in canada um and i think it was i forget what the name actually no sorry i take that back that was in idaho um i don't know the specific location but sandpoint not sandpoint just before Sandpoint, uh, though we did go to Sandpoint to get some bagels. But side note, um, but we uh, no, we did one spot which was honestly we got there super late. It was maybe uh, twelve twelve o'clock when we got there at night, and so we just parked and set up and um, and did it. But it was kind of a weird experience because we're literally parked next to all these other cars that are camping. But for us, we were in our car so it just was very awkward then we went to one where it was just much more polished the entry point it was it was called two jacks um two jacks maine uh in uh in banff national park and that place had uh you know it had wood that was already cut for you so you could actually you know go and we didn't wow. have to buy it um it had a special like a certain spot where you would park your car you had a spot where you could build your tent all that other stuff 
Um, so we did that. And then we went and did a, um, an RV like, uh, camp or an rv whatever and that was a totally different experience as well because they then have they actually have a flushable toilet and shower that you can actually go and use um which doesn't feel like camping to me there wasn't a fire pit there so um but you kind of just park your car and yeah so there's there's so many different experiences and and a lot one of the things that a lot of people really like and i i saw this in my stats is that amenities are key so what activities do you have going on in that area what um you know if you're bringing kids is there stuff in that area where you can kind of do stuff and that to me doesn't feel like camping but i'm curious if that three thousand dollar campground had anything um like that or if it's just a really cool spot i mean even still what was the most that you paid this weekend oh it was like 50 bucks a night yeah so so yeah i yeah it it uh I can't imagine paying $3,000. It better be freaking awesome. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So, as Brian said, I will jump into the stats. So, uh, this, a lot, almost all of my stats comes from a very, very helpful study um, commissioned by Campgrounds of America, KOA, and it was designed to provide a detailed accounting. Wait a second. What? K-O-A? Yeah. It's it's supposed to be, like, cool, I guess. I, I didn't realize that that's what that stood for. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you seen K-O-A before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. There's a bunch of K- K-O-A places over in eastern Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Campgrounds of America. There you go. Well, they, they're super into this because that's their <laughs> bread and butter. K-O-A. Man. Yeah. There you go. You learned something. Um, well, they, they did a study of about 300 or sorry, 3,500 or so um, people, most of which in the United States, but they got about 500 responses from Canadian uh, camping markets as well. And so some pretty valuable um, and uh, um, easy to reference data here. Uh, But anyway, a couple of things. So camping improved by about four points overall in the U.S. in 2018. So that's four percentage points. Wait, what do you mean by improved? Um, so it increased by four oh, percentage. Um, yeah, the num- I, I was thinking you were like, oh, it, it improved in experience. Yes, no, no, that was, um, though maybe. Uh, the number of camping households in the U.S. grew by 1.4 million, reaching new high of 78.8 million households that are camping. The number of camping households that camp at least once each year has grown by nearly 7.2 million households, um, 22% since 2014. And even more impressive, the percentage of campers who camp three or more times each year has increased 72% uh, since 2014. And so I wanted to pause. I, I wanted to do a little bit of research into why that may be. Yeah. Uh, and so this makes a lot of sense to me, but as these cultural trends emerged and grew, uh, a lot or a high rate of sharing on social media, we kind of see how campers have adopted the camping lifestyle in a way that works for him or for, for them. So social media, I would say it make, even though it, it seems so counterintuitive to camping, which we'll get into, I'm sure it, I think people seeing spots, I, I, was posting when I had internet uh, yeah. pictures. Yep. And not that I was actually less, 
it, it's less about me in that regard, but but when I saw people that I knew going to this place, yeah. I was like, wow, that is really cool. I want to go there. And I would have otherwise never known about it beforehand. Yeah, I think people do it for the gram. Yeah, I, I, I don't doubt it. Um, and so, uh, and my my gram, follow me at uh, just in, well, right now I'm just in Banff, but I will become just in Seattle again. Um, so confusing. You're so confusing I, I love to follow. It. That's okay. Um, but I, I do do post uh, travel photos from all my adventures, but not not to a shameless plug. But I do I, I will be posting stuff from 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 Banff, and I I really enjoy the travel aspect of it. Um, so anyway, when I see things like that, it it whether I'm trying for it or not, it just sparks something in me that I'm like I want something either like that or I want to go to that place. So I I totally get people who are camping more often these days now that that um, social media has kind of taken over um, so campers continue to increasingly camp closer to home which i thought was actually interesting in 2014 about 13 percent of camping trips were under 50 miles from home uh, and by 2018 that number has risen to 31 percent so in in my opinion and i think it's 50 54 percent of campers travel less than 100 miles from home to camp to me, that tells me that there are a lot more campers that are casual campers. They like the appeal of it, but they're not necessarily willing to go on a road trip uh, to go, you know, more than a hundred hundred miles. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, but that's still barely over fifty percent, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's there's forty six percent that are that average over hundred, and, and that means that they're traveling a, a long ways. So I actually found a. a pretty uh extensive amount of stats on on camping and the number that i found was 146 miles uh is what people average on traveling to their destinations yeah and and again that may i believe that because there's plenty of people that will travel very very far distances which i mean you're talking a little over two hours two and a half hours which really at the end of the day is not all that far considering a lot of the times it's going to take a lot of people in the united states about 40 minutes to even get outside of their city sure yeah um for for reference getting from seattle to banff canada was 600 miles i wanted to do that calculation to see yeah I mean, you had to camp in between. Sure, yes. On the way. Yes, exactly. So, you know, probably 400 miles and then, you know, so on and so forth. Now, the other, one of the stats that comes along with that is that I had a set up camp. uh, People on average set up camp about a quarter of a mile from their cars. You were in your car. (laughs) Literally in it. Um, So I bring the average down just a bit. Yeah, actually a quarter mile to me from my experiences of the campsites i was at would actually be very far most of the campsites i was at you would even though we were in our car yeah most you'd park your car and then right outside of it you're camping yeah but, but i, I think i have been in a lot i think there are a lot of people who will backpack camp and yes. you know that will, which kudos to them because we talked about that you bringing that 130 dollar camping thing that you brought up i 30 pound yeah it's just it's a lot yeah um yeah i i don't know if i could backpack camp no i don't think i could certainly not with what we did but yeah um, i I need a nice mattress yeah yeah well uh i had a couple more quick stats and then we'll get into some debates but 
I wanted to pull in. So residents who camp at least occasionally, uh, they did a breakdown by region. So I wanted to see, you know, how different things um, did. So in, in 2014, I thought this was interesting, uh, 68% of the West, at least occasionally, will camp. Uh, in 2018, that number has pretty much stayed stagnant. It's 67%, so dropped ever so slightly. Whereas if you travel over to our friends on the Northeast, uh, in 2014, they were 52%. Uh, and now 58. So they've seen growth, but they're still about 10% lower than what the West does. Yeah. Canada is closest. If you look at Canada, they're at 65% right now, and they're the closest to the West of, of United States. The Midwest is somewhere in the middle, so 61% for the Midwest, 61% for the South in 2018. And overall for the U.S., um, the average is about 62%. So uh, I... It's interesting thinking about my life. Uh, I have not camped a ton. I've camped a, a ton in the last two weeks. <laughs> I, uh, but I have not. I haven't done a ton before then. I, I have gone a ton on a hike, so I'll give, I'll give the West that. Um, I do know a lot of people that, that go camping. Uh, the Northeast, I didn't know. And maybe this was just my circle. I just didn't. It didn't happen that often, in my opinion. There Maybe there wasn't as great of hikes and trails where i was yeah um here i feel like man you could drive an hour and be camping easy you could drive less than an hour and be camping and feel like you're out in nature yeah you could almost camp in my backyard you probably could and it'll be yeah it might be worth it so i I just thought it was very interesting I i thought it was very fitting as someone who grew up in the northeast and now lives in the west that it it actually the numbers actually equate to what I might expect. Yeah. Now one one last stat that I found that I want to bring up because uh, I don't know if this is your necessarily your first camping trip mm-hmm. out here, but it it is one of your first camping trips. Yeah. It says that on an average, uh, campers spend one hundred and twenty eight dollars and twenty six cents on their first camping trip. Oh. And I would guess that you're on the over there. Oh, definitely. Because I would say most people go on a one to two night camping trip. And they, but but honestly, if that's the case, they're, kudos to them. Because that's, they're pretty thrifty. Because most, most camping sites are about 50 to 60 bucks, at least where we were to camp. Maybe they're cheaper in other spots. But yeah. camping spots are expensive nowadays. Yeah. Right. So if you're going to there if you do two nights, you've already spent 120 bucks. You're spending 30 bucks total on food, gas, you know, all the gas alone. I mean, yeah. I we had an amazing experience and it was worth every penny, but at, you know, I I wouldn't say that we we stayed under that uh, by any means, probably two to three times whatever that was. There, there's also another stat that they brought up that I won't bring up because I, uh, we are a PG show, so it, oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, should we leave it at that? We'll, we'll leave it at that. Okay. So we'll we'll go on to some friendship tests. We just become best friends. Yep. All right, Brian. I am curious, as someone who just went through it. Actually, yeah, as someone who just went through it, what is 
your best road trip snack. You're going camping, so you've packed a bunch of stuff. I want one sweet thing, and I want one salty thing. I mean, I don't even need a sweet and a salty. I, oh. I do trail mix. Oh, a little bit of both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a big, big uh, peanuts and raisins and M&Ms. Mm-hmm. That combination. Yeah. So good. Now, one thing that I feel like is interesting when you're um, you're on a road trip, for, for instance, is trail mix something that you kind of almost exclusively eat when you're on a road trip, or do you eat that more often? Um... I mean, when I go on vacation, I will eat trail mix as well. Yeah. I like to take trail mix on the plane. Okay. It's a big, yeah. big plane food for me as well. Okay. Uh, but it, it's really my go-to for traveling in general. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Um, so my, I'll start with my salty, and I would say that is just a, a bag of chips. I'm comfortable with most types of chips, but uh, just a, a nice good old bag of chips would be there and then my sweet which is kind of interesting i was trying to look think about my trip on the road i did not eat a lot of sweets when we're at the campsite and when we're doing other things or maybe even hiking i might eat a little bit more but while i was riding i thought i would eat more I, we got m&ms we got uh reese's pieces like we got all of this stuff and yet i didn't really eat any of them but one thing I did get, and I wouldn't typically ever get this thing, was uh, I was really thirsty. We we just went to this little market on our way. We stopped. We're like, oh, why not? We're in you know some hot springs town or whatever. And um, so I was, but I was really hot. So we stopped at a gas station, and I ended up getting uh, essentially a slushy. And I never, ever, ever get a slushy. But for whatever reason, it was kind of the perfect thing for for that moment. And okay. I feel like that's a road trip thing to get a Slurpee or a slushy or something like that to kind of keep your – if you're driving long distances. You what know, flavor? Uh, mine was banana strawberry. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was, it was all right. I mean, I hmm. wouldn't need to order it or get it again, but yeah, – Kind of you know. interesting. Yeah. That's what I said when I bought it. <laughs> But yeah, so that that would be my like artificial banana is not good. Not typically, but when it it's kind of I don't know I don't know if it's artificial or if it's it probably wasn't. It's when. not <laughs> it real. Wasn't real. It's not real. Let's I'm be not honest. Kidding You're myself. in the middle of nowhere. It um, was not real. All right, Justin. So we you obviously went in your car this time, but I want to know: Do you prefer to camp in a tent, a camper, or an RV, or like you did in your car yeah um or or some might say a cramper um, because it was pretty cramped inside the car i would probably say if i push came the shove i probably would go tent in that it just feels like you're more immersed in the environment but i love I, i really did enjoy the mobility obviously of the car where i can just say you know what yeah we could just boom we arrive boom we set up we don't have to worry about the poles we don't have to worry about anything For it's sure. just yeah we had kind of a routine setup and breakdown is yep. is definitely a lot when you when you go tent camping i'm gonna i forgot that i was gonna throw this in here oh i'm gonna th- throw a curveball in here 
Okay. Because I think that hammock camping what is is the best i i've never actually physically slept in my hammock i've never done it before but that's the best that is the best because i've always said oh when i don't have my dog and i go camping i will sleep in my hammock Mm -hmm. but i've never gotten up the like you need a pad in there and like you need a little bit of support i do have a hammock which is by far the best camping item that i have ever bought Hmm. Okay. And I will, I'm 100% behind that. Okay. That from a just overall enjoyment perspective, yeah, I get the most enjoyment out of my hammock out of anything else that is on the camping trip. Um, just laying there and maybe I fell asleep, maybe I don't. <laughs> but it is, sure. it is so amazing. I, I just love sitting in my hammock yeah. on a campground. So... Uh, I had did see a couple of hammocks uh, in our in our travels. Uh, I would I wouldn't have never really thought to bring one, um, though. You talking about it does inspire me a little bit. I'll say this about the hammocks. I think yes, hanging out in the hammock, just chilling. Maybe you fall asleep. Maybe you don't. Whatever. One of my you know one of my favorite things and is um, actually like looking at the stars and so hammocks are perfect for that right like you're just chilling you know it's dark out there's little light pollution so i i agree with that but what i will not agree with is actually staying there the entire night because what typically happens with camping is you start to get the bugs you get the all the other stuff so if you can if you can do some netting around that i i'm open to doing well my my hammock is big enough that it actually kind of covers over the top of me like if i wanted to too Oh, so it's like a blanket hammock? Kind of. I would just need a pad underneath to, to okay. keep a little bit of the warmth in. Yeah. I, I have seen, and maybe this will be my next camping purchase, but there are tents that are hammock tents. And so they're oh. suspended, and you actually you like zip it up on the bottom. So you enter from the bottom and then zip up the tent yeah from the bottom and you're like laying in the hammock and it's pretty interesting it's it's like a four or a three kind of a triangle yeah shaped yeah i mean i'm sure that would be cool i think where i'm really struggling though is the best part about the hammock is that it's so chill and again i love looking up at the stars but as soon as you start putting other contraptions that protect you from the bugs and all the other weird stuff I guess bugs is mostly it, um, but uh, as soon as you do that, then you're you've polluted now your clear sight of the stars. So I I'm you know maybe I'm overthinking it, but uh, I I don't know what I would like in that situation. I just I don't think I can buy in on the hammock yeah. yet. Okay. Um, all right. So when you when you go um, camping, Brian. Do you typically go hiking paired with that? Do you typically go fishing? Neither. Um, I wish I would fish more. I'll tell you that. I wish I would fish more. I, I'm not a big hiker when it comes to camping. Okay. Because I was actually just talking about hiking the other day with somebody. When I go hiking, I'm on a mission. 
this is oh, a workout. You, you, you were talking to me at, at, at some point in our listeners that you are. I'm a. I'm a. I don't want to go hiking with you. That's what I decided. Yeah, from that. I, I'm a on a mission. Let's go fast and let's get a workout out of this. So that doesn't. That's not conducive with camping because no. likely you're not showering or you're having to jump into a very cold lake or whatever it might be and you're also with other people that don't want to run through a hike i mean you can camp by yourself let's be honest that's yeah, okay it's okay to can. camp by yourself i guess i guess people do that <laughs> so and, and there you know i really wish i would would fish more maybe that's what i'll do next time when I go camping next time, I, maybe I'll fish because there would be so much gratification with being like, "Oh yeah, I caught this fish. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna cook it over the fire and I'm gonna eat it." Yeah. So I I have not done that recently. You know, I'm sure maybe in my childhood I did that. I don't remember. Yeah. But well, I probably didn't catch the fish yeah. when I was in my childhood. But um, yeah hiking just doesn't do it for me when i'm on camping well i will say it depends on the location so for me if i did not go hiking when i was in banff i would regret it gratefully because gratefully no greatly um because there's just so much you want to see so i fully support hiking but i also am 100 in agreement with you and i'm now questioning if we should go camping together because I really want to go fishing and I one don't have the equipment. I used to have equipment don't anymore. And I have yet to find somebody that has this weird interest in going fishing. And so, uh, okay. So here's, here's the deal. Let, let's just say right now, what we're going to do is we are going to have a fishing episode at some point. Okay. And we are going to do that while camping we're gonna have a live a podcast recording while camping yeah love it great i've i've been wanting to do kind of a in the moment recording and i didn't know what the activity might be yeah um but maybe it is fishing uh yeah that'd be a perfect one yeah we can literally be talking see see if we can catch something in in an hour (laughs) i'm in i'm in okay I, i love it i love it so okay yeah i i i think that's that's a a great idea um all right brian what uh when you get to the campsite you set up the campfire as per usual what's what do you what do you what's your go-to if you had to choose are you cooking marshmallows or roasting marshmallows like sorry these don't even mesh with each other because of course they don't but i'm gonna say this you are a little bit hungry right now but you are so excited to cook this on the campfire is it marshmallows or is it hot dogs it's it's got to be hot dogs i mean you, marshmallows doesn't do anything for me like yes it's a delicious treat but in terms of like i am hungry right now and i i'm excited to cook this it's got to be a hot dog yeah it, it's like there is no question. It, it's not even like, oh yeah, I I wanna I wanna cook a marshmallow because I have to cook forty of them to, f- you know, feel any satisfaction. And then now I'm sick because, and I just got here. And you you're thinking too practically. I think 
what the I would go on the marshmallow side. I do like a cooked hot dog, sure, that's great, you know, whatever. But marshmallows, when do you ever eat marshmallows aside from when they're randomly mixed in a treat that you didn't prepare or you're cooking on a campfire? Marshmallows to me are more synonymous with cooking on a campfire than hot dogs are and i can get eat hot dogs whenever because you eat so many hot dogs and we already talked about this. yes right of course but yeah still Let, let's let's still i ate my four hot dogs for this year i ate my four hot dogs spade a spade um but still i eat more hot dogs a year than i do marshmallows and when i eat marshmallows it's typically when i'm camping when else are you gonna make marshmallows or or s'mores honestly i I just think marshmallows to me is a better tie to camping that I would be more exciting for, more excited for than just cooking a normal. You're just cooking a meal at that point. There's no nothing exciting about that. Marshmallows, there's an art to it that you need to yeah, know. But you're cooking the hot dog over the fire. How often do you cook a hot dog over a fire? You put it on a stick and you and you roast it. Yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's not as good as a marshmallow so yeah i agree, agree to, to disagree, disagree there <laughs> yeah there we go agree to disagree sure all right so we we kind of talked about this earlier but uh and it sounds like you kind of stay a little bit connected mm-hmm. but uh do you unplug when you go out into the woods or do you stay connected yeah um i i, I probably lean more towards staying connected and um, that kind of disappoints me a little bit. Yeah, you do it for the gram. Uh, a li- a, I, I, it's not even that. A little bit of that, yes. Now that you're on Instagram, I know, you're doing I, it for the gram. I am a little bit. I just started that, you know, probably six months ago. Um, but anyway, uh, I think one of the craziest things, not craziest things, I found myself, and this is just where we are in society. Maybe it's just me. It's not just me. But – there was moments when I would get internet connection and then I would get 15 notifications. And of course my mind goes to what are those notifications? So there's a lot of that I can ignore, but I am very big into football. And so I see all these football notifications this weekend. There was big announcement of of Andrew Luck retired. It was like, what the, and I just wanted to consume all this information about what was happening in the NFL. And I, um, I, I, I kind of couldn't, and that didn't necessarily frustrate me, but it left me wanting more. And so things like that where there's something breaking news or I I kind of want to be in the know and being disconnected, it should make me freer. And I just wanted I, – I found myself wanting it a little bit more. I, I, can, I can disconnect. Don't get me wrong. I went a full day without – or days without internet, but – when I had connection, I would take full advantage of it. So, yeah, I I think it de- <clears throat> depends on what's going on. What else is going on? Like, do I need to stay connected? Unfortunately, for work or whatever it might be, yeah. that's kind of my breaking point. I try the best I can to disconnect, and but uh, on the other hand, a lot of the things that I like to do like play play games or whatever it is might be on my phone so i wouldn't necessarily say that's disconnecting because that's not like the traditional going out and and losing all of technology Mm -hmm. but i try the best that i can to at least from a connectivity and staying up to date on things 
at least lose a little bit of that camping, you know, trying to leave my cell phone in the tent or whatever it might be, um, letting it die if it's about to die, that type of stuff, you know, but then there is the, that social satisfaction Mm -hmm. with posting and seeing how many likes you can get or, you know, showing all these people, this beautiful place and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of sad nowadays. Yeah. And I'm sure it's only going to get worse and, you know, the years and years to come, but, um, that's kind of where we're at in, in society these days. It it is. And like I said, I'm kind of disappointed in myself a little bit, but at the same time, you know, I was really, it gave me happiness when I was able to share and people were like, Hey, like, Oh my gosh, that seems really cool. And let me, you know, um, what are you up to today or whatever? And I, I kind of liked being able to communicate with some of my friends that way, but um, interesting note, and I didn't pull up some of these stats, but I'll just pull up the one. Uh, of teenagers that were surveyed, 67% said they would still camp without technology, um, and 52% said camping allows them to, quote-unquote, unplug. Um, so I thought that was actually surprisingly high for teenagers. I would say that they're pretty uh, even more so to me um, tied to their phones. Yeah, I did see that millennials go camping more than any other age group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, and again, I think that's because I think it's it's good and it's bad, right? They're going maybe from weird for re, uh, misguided intentions in some ways right yeah. they they want to share Social these stories and, about what they yeah. did but at the same time they actually are going and enjoying yeah. these spots yeah. um so that otherwise maybe they wouldn't have actually went out in nature so I, I i think that's great yeah um okay so the last one brian is uh you know we uh you gotta go right you gotta go to the bathroom uh are you someone who is uh really focused on the amenities provided from a bathroom of a campground or are you just like screw it i I got the woods in front of me uh i mean i'm not gonna go number two in the woods yeah yeah um but yeah i will i will use whatever you know whatever is out there i'm okay with doing like i don't necessarily sometimes campground bathrooms are worse than the woods yes i i kind of agree with that that was another thing that we got this wide variety of, of bathroom amenities in our travels but the um i, I honestly to me it, if you're a dude i i i'm just woods for for number one all all day um and like there was points when uh my wife was like hey didn't you use the bathroom at that one location i was like no i didn't have to i just used the woods and was completely fine totally different story for for the ladies listening but um i i always found it like what's what's in some cases i i don't you don't need a bathroom for for camping yeah all right well uh your back in the day says that there's a scary camping experience so maybe we should touch on that to bring up those experiences for you Um, so I, I, I was hoping we would find a spot earlier, and it, it, it was uh, it was a genuinely scary moment. But um, the so my family, um, my cousins, my brothers, all about ten years older than I am, um, and every year they would go on a camping trip, 
and uh, this was in um, I don't know I forget where where it was on maybe the Appalachian Trail um, and there was this big old river in that area and it had these like big rocks where you can climb and walk on and just kind of hang out you bring beers and just hang out on um, the rocks and just drink and and be merry well I finally finally became old enough where they said hey you can come so I said great like this is exciting I get to go with all my big brothers and sisters and you know I get to hang out with them I was probably 14 or 15 um, and so we, we go to this campsite and I'm staying with my brother and sister-in-law in their big tent. Uh, and my brother, uh, at one point where I was hanging out with my sister-in-law and my brother, uh, slipped on one of the rocks and hit, cracked his head open. And he, uh, it was this incredibly mass panic uh, where they had, like, we had to rush him to the emergency room. The camp got, like, canceled. Like, we were scared for, like, my brother's life and all this. Um, and this was, like, my first camping experience, like, actually going out and camping. And uh, it, like, kind of scared me from the idea of camping for a while. I did, I just didn't really have much interest in it. Um, and, uh, and luckily, everything turned out great. My brother's fine. He's got a nice good old Harry Potter scar on his head. But... Um, other than that, uh, he's functioning human being and uh, all is well. So that reminds me actually of the last time I went camping uh, in in June-ish this year. Okay. And so I, I'm laying in my camp or my tent and I he- like middle of the night, I hear someone like a kid. It sounds like they're struggling to breathe. Oh, geez. and like, you know. I mean, you can hear everything from yes. the campsite. Uh-huh. So, like, I have no idea where this person is. Mm-hmm. And, like, for probably 15 minutes, struggling to breathe, and then all of a sudden stops. And, like, through that whole 15 minutes, I'm sitting there and, like, I'm debating, like, do I need to get out and, like, figure out where this person is? And, like, yeah. did they, like, fall and, you know, you know, puncture their trachea sure, or whatever yeah. it is and and that's what's going on right now uh-huh. and like i just didn't know what to do and that was probably one of the like scariest times sure, in my yeah. life when it didn't have anything in, impacting me because i was like i have no idea what to do like i don't want to get up because then is it just something that's happening at another campground right. and the person's fine and whatever? Like there's someone taking care of them already. Yeah. Cause it sounded like a kid and whatever. Yeah. But then on the other hand, I didn't know if they were at a campground and maybe, you know, maybe they were going to the bathroom and they had tripped or whatever. Yeah. And nobody knew they were out there. Like I just had no idea what to do. Yeah. Because it's like, are you, should you, should you get up and do that? Like, it, I just have no idea. Yeah. It's, it's that I'm, I'm like cringing a little bit inside right now. Um, that type of moment is one of the scariest moments, um, that we have as humans. And I think it, we're in a different place. Maybe, maybe you would have reacted if you were living 30, 40, 50 years ago, uh, differently, but today it's almost assumed you, you, you convince yourself and I don't think it's wrong. You convince yourself that someone else has this taken care of you don't want to be a nuisance on someone else so you're going to stay back 
I would have done the same exact thing. But there's a part of me that's like, should we do that? Should you go out and do that? I I don't know. I don't know what the right solution to that is. You want to make sure that if you could save that person, if you knew, yeah. then that's that's amazing. Yeah. You, you've, you've now helped this person. But chances are the person's probably fine and, yeah. you know, all that. For sure. Stuff. So yeah. it's, it's just a weird, and, and tough like, situation. There was no, you know, no ambulances or nothing – nothing right. out of the ordinary the next morning so obviously everything seemed sure. fine and yeah. whatever so maybe he I, has asthma I, and just you know was yeah. working yeah so it's it's a tough spot to be in and you know when you're camping you get put in some really tough situations sometimes um and you don't have any help so you know here we are like a tough situation like we're about to put ourselves in Indeed for some will. delusional thinking crazy all right brian here is your challenge you get to pick one of these two options you will get a reward of five million dollars just to up the ante if you survive you have to go on a two-week camping trip in utah hooray here are your options one you are you know going out this weekend current day um but you were dropped in the middle of Utah with no supplies, just the clothes on your back, and that is it. So that's your option one. You, uh, The alternative option is you have whatever supplies you typically burn camping for two weeks. So you, are, you got your food, you got your tent or whatever, um, but it's during the crustaceous period. So... Uh, there's some dinosaurs running around. And I want to know which option are you choosing, Brian? Okay, I thought I had this one, like, solid. Yeah. And now I'm double, oh, double okay. thinking. All right, walk me through this, Brian. What are you, what are you thinking right now? Well, so I, initially I was like, oh, no supplies, just clothes on my back, no problem. Yep. The whole two weeks thing concerns me it sure does and surviving with no food for two weeks or trying to figure out what to do for food for two weeks would be difficult yes i took a survival class in fifth grade fifth grade camp yep uh and you know i think i would do okay okay I think I could find enough water to survive. Okay. I'd be a little concerned about food because berries and whatnot. Um, I don't think I would be able to catch anything. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'd probably attempt to, you know, set some traps and whatever and yeah. try to. Yeah. But I don't think I would know how to start a fire. Yeah, that, oh, that might be actually tough. I know, I in my head, I know how to do it, but with nothing. Yeah, you 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 start Rub a, two sticks together. Yeah, well, good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, there's there's you know maybe better ways to do that, and I don't know. It, it's a little bit tough. As I will say, as someone who uh, just set a fire um, using wet wood, uh, it was freaking hard to to get a fire started with fire starters 
and wet wood, it was it took about two hours to get the the fire yeah. actually going. Yeah. So, and, and you don't Utah, know what the, the whole Utah yeah. thing concerns me. You know, like um, just being you know, it's it's a pretty extreme climates there in Utah. Yeah. So that's I, I think I would would lean towards the crustaceous period. Okay. So you're you're chilling with dinosaurs. Yeah. Um okay. Because so- because here's the thing. The omnivores meat eaters, right? Omnivores? Uh, uh yes. Omnivores yep. are are probably you know more interested in the other dinosaurs than they are me, right? Mm, possibly. But they haven't really maybe seen a human yet, so they're like, look at this tasty little morsel. Yeah, but I'm I'm little. Like, I'm little, right? Yeah. As opposed to the, the big dinosaurs. So, you know, I would have all of my supplies. Uh, just a quick correction. Omnivore, I wanted to double check this, is both plant and animal. Um, Carnivore. Yeah, carnivore is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean omnivore, like whatever. Yeah, right? same thing, and they, they're still interested in eating you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would, I would, my my supply kit uh, contains an axe, so I'd have an axe. Do you typically bring an axe camping? Yeah, it's in my camping kit. All right, all right. I'll, I'll show you. you then. All right, I believe you. I believe you. You can, I you can did... even take a photo for the Instagram <laughs> post. Okay, you can do it for the gram, Justin. <laughs> I take an axe. Okay. I also have a Leatherman. So the axe could ser- serve me fairly well, I think. Um, not not in necessarily defense, but in terms of creating a an area. Like, I can create a, a place to shelter. I can create traps. So, you know, whether it be a bunch of limbs that are poking out and you know to survive all i have to do is survive for two weeks right right and and so it doesn't have to be a perfect fortress but i could almost create a little fortress for myself for two weeks yes um i'd have my my, my matches i you know again would still struggle a little bit for food um although if i'm still bringing my normal supplies i would assume that would be food. food yeah that's fine so i think i'd be okay with the crustaceous period um okay uh so i'm just looking up one ah okay good to know um that will influence my decision so uh i my my gut actually first went to just as someone who brought it like knows what goes with the camping supplies and everything else i'm going to take the car out of the situation i can't hide in my car like i can bring a tent but that's my camping you know starter home if if you would if you wanted to take a car that's fine because you're only going to have a little bit of gas so it's not like you're going to go very far yeah but and a dinosaur could still that's too easy a dinosaur if they really wanted you would still get into your car uh some of the big ones but i would be fine from a velociraptor i think well maybe they'll break through the window Mm, yeah yeah have you seen Jurassic Park? <laughs> yeah. So okay. So maybe it's not great, but I, I still want to say that's that's how I'm going to say I've, okay. I've been. Okay. I have my normal camping stuff, but but I know there's a lot there, and I think that's where like ah screw it, I'll, I'll roll the dice and go with that. Now my thought is now flipping to the other side, and the reason why 
is because there is less threat of animals or uh, or obviously dinosaurs when I'm in this other alternate scenario. In current day? In current day, yes. There are less dinosaurs now. Well, yes. You didn't know that. There are obviously <laughs> less dinosaurs, but less threats. There are other threats, and there's still animals, but I don't think I'm as scared of the animals without um, my stuff. Uh, I think the... Um, the one thing that I wanted to look up is how long can I go without water and how long can I go without food? And uh, water is three to four days, so I'll definitely need to figure that out. But food you can go three weeks with, and that might be torture. But again, I think there's a little bit less of a roll of the dice of dying by trying to find food, not getting it, and then... Um, then you know figuring out from there but so i i i'm starting to think you know i would i'd would start with nothing i'm going to probably first create a weapon um which will be a stick but that how, i will sharpen with how? a rock with a rock yes i'm gonna find a rock that i can sharpen a stick with i think that's, that's i don't think you're gonna do that in two weeks I can I can do that, Brian. I have faith in myself, so I'm going to get two rocks. I'm going to actually start with the two rocks and make one of the rocks sharper rock, and then I'm going to sharpen a stick, and then I am going to find some leaves as well, and I'm going to create a weapon of sorts. What are the leaves for? Um, I can use them as a light type of rope <laughs> that... Uh, until I find something better, it depends on what kind of plant life is in Utah. I don't know what kind of plant life in Utah. And at what point are you going to forge for food? Well, I've now created a weapon, so I'm going to get some of the fish in the river. Uh, and I'm going to stab them. Uh, that's mm. that's going to be my, my okay. start. Okay. Um, and uh, if not, I'll, I'll create some trap of sorts, as you mentioned. But we'll, we'll start with the spear. Uh, I'm pretty quick with stabbing fish maybe maybe you'll find my bones from 400 years 400,000 years may, earlier maybe uh that may to be used as a weapon um but uh yeah i just i i know it would and be tough five million dollars lay next to me. yeah and finally you did it but you died <laughs> uh yeah i i just think i can do it I, I there's something in me that that tells me that uh i got the the skills to make it happen i don't know well, when we do our fishing episode, and <laughs> oh, we, we do... I'll a, bring my spear. We we do this uh, on, along a camping trip, and we do an episode. We'll test we'll test your survival skills, and, and we'll come back to this. Yes, yes. Well, as we close out here, Brian, uh, this has been a blast, as per usual. Um, but I, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to surprise you and break some news as well, Brian. Oh, boy. Um, we uh, are officially on Stitcher as well. Oh. Uh, we got approved this morning to go on Stitcher. So if you follow us uh, on Stitcher, or uh, we'll, we'll promote it a little bit there as well. What's Stitcher? Uh, it's an app uh, for listening to podcasts, Is Brian. it like the hip new thing? Um, a, a lot of like dedicated podcast listeners listen to Stitcher. Oh, uh, does it like stitch your podcast together? I don't 
know that. I don't. I want to say no, oh. but there is an approval process to be on the site. So, um, and I know that a lot of people tend to uh, listen through that. So, just another option here. We're here for the people. Uh, so I thought we would try that out. We'll we'll make sure that we are uh, our. It, it'll be posted there through our our Buzzsprout as well, and uh, cool. we'll, we right. should be good. So, Sweet. but Love as it. usual, if you're not there. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts. Uh, write a review. We all, we always uh, will read a review if you give us one. Um, and uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're under the Quest for 100 in some variety. You can find us. Um, and uh, we, we appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for listening to the Quest for 100. Mm-hmm.